Welcome back to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we cover the topic of normal and abnormal findings of the newborn found under the pediatric section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A two-month-old infant is brought to the pediatrician due to persistent crying. The parents report that the baby is adequately fed and diapers are frequently monitored. However, they cannot find an apparent reason for the infant's crying. The infant cries approximately four hours a day and three days per week. A thorough physical examination is unremarkable. Techniques in effective swaddling, gentle rocking, and decreased infant stimulation is advocated. This is a case of colic. All right, let's start off with the subject of crying. All infants cry the most during the first three months of life. Colic is broadly defined as an otherwise healthy infant less than three months of age who is crying for no apparent reason that lasts for three or more hours per day and three or more days per week. First line management includes parental reassurance and behavioral interventions. This includes effective swaddling and gentle rocking. Now let's discuss feeding. Frequent feeding prevents the newborn from developing hyperglycemia. Breastfeeding allows for a diet high in whey protein and improves gastric emptying compared to casein. Breastfed milk has less iron than formula, however, it has a higher bioavailability. Breast milk is known to be low in vitamin K and vitamin D, but has a higher bioavailability of calcium and phosphorus. It also contains immunoglobulin A, which confers passive immunity and lysozymes to improve infant immunity. Contraindications to breastfeeding include human immunodeficiency virus, or HIV, infants with galactosemia, herpes simplex virus, or HSV infection if there is a present lesion, mother with untreated active tuberculosis infection, mother taking chemotherapeutic agents, and substance abuse. Formula feeding can be used to substitute or supplement breastfeeding. Cow's milk should not be given to infants less than one year of age. At around the six-month mark, solid foods are introduced, and this usually means starting with pureed foods. Vomiting, poor feeding, and lethargy should prompt a workup for hereditary fructose intolerance. Now let's discuss weight changes. A weight loss of 5-7% to of birth weight normally occurs in the first few days of life. Weight loss usually stops at 5 days of life, and by 10 to 14 days gestation, the weight is typically regained. Excessive weight loss is defined as greater than 7% and should be managed by observation of a feed, such as how adequate the latch-on is, by determining adequacy of milk production and transfer, and physical examination of the infant and mother to determine if the infant is jaundiced and has signs of hypovolemia, or if the mother has signs of engorgement. All right, now let's discuss select dermatologic findings of the newborn in terms of skin finding, clinical findings, and the related management. The first skin finding on our list is neonatal acne, or neonatal cephalic pustulosis. Mean age of onset is about three weeks, and presentation includes inflammatory papules and pustules in the face, especially the cheeks, without comedonal lesions. Management of neonatal acne includes cleaning the newborn with soap and water daily. The acne usually spontaneously resolves within four months without scarring. 
Next we have milia, which are white papules typically found on the nose and cheeks secondary to keratin and sebaceous material retention in the pilaceous follicles. This usually resolves by the first few weeks of life and thus no treatment is needed. Alright, next we have nevus simplex or the salmon patch. These are pink-red patches that are blanchable. Nevus simplex usually disappears within one to two years of age. A congenital dermal melanocytosis or Mongolian spots, evenly pigmented patches most commonly found in the sacral gluteal region and this is most common in Asian neonates. Mongolian spots usually disappear by one to two years of age, and so management is observation. In the case of Mongolian spots, remember to keep in mind the differential diagnosis of child abuse. Next, we have cutis marmorata. This is reticular modeling of the skin that is symmetric and affecting the extremity and trunk. This condition is secondary to a vascular response to cold and resolves with warming. No treatment is required. Next we have erythema toxicum neonatorum. This describes erythematous macules and papules that rapidly progress to pustules and have an erythematous base. These lesions can be found over the trunk and proximal extremities and spare the palms and soles. The cause is unknown, but believed to be due to pilosebaceous follicle immaturity. This condition usually appears 24 to 48 hours after birth and resolves in 5 to 7 days. No treatment is required. Finally, we have the superficial hemangioma, or strawberry hemangioma. This is a papule, nodule, or plaque that is bright red and above normal skin. Strawberry hemangiomas spontaneously regress by 5 to 8 years of age. Next, let's discuss the topics of genitourinary and stooling. On the topic of stool in the newborn, the first meconium typically passes before 24 to 48 hours of life. No first meconium occurring for more than 48 hours is concerning for colonic obstruction secondary to imperforate anus, meconium plug syndrome, and Hirschsprung disease. First meconium usually appears black, tarry, and sticky. Meconium transitions from green-brown to mustard yellow that is seedy and loose. Alright, now for some quick words on the topic of urine in the newborn. First urine usually occurs in the first 24 hours of life. You may note precipitated uric acid crystals, or brick dust, in the diaper, and it can often be misidentified as blood, but is completely benign. Maternal estrogen effects include breast hypertrophy, swollen labia, physiologic leucorrhea, uterine withdrawal bleeding, and they usually resolve within the first two months of life. Alright, now that we've covered some pretty high yield topics, let's try to apply them with a the practice question. A 10-month-old boy is brought to the pediatrician by his grandmother. She reports she is worried about a dark spot on the patient's back. The patient's grandmother began babysitting the patient two weeks ago after his mother went back to work. She noticed the spot two weeks ago, and it has not changed since. The grandmother is not sure if the lesion was there before. The patient was previously under the care of the mother's boyfriend, who is no longer in a relationship with the mother. The patient was born at 38 weeks by vaginal delivery. He is otherwise healthy. There is a family history of melanoma. 
physical exam is notable for the finding in figure A on MedBullets.com. Figure A shows a photo of a large, well-demarcated blue-gray patch on an infant's lower back. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? Is it 1. Biopsy? 2. Laser treatment? 3. Magnetic resonance imaging? 4. Observation? Or 5. Report to Child Protective Services? The correct answer is 4. Observation. This infant presents with an evenly pigmented, large, discrete, blue-gray patch on the lower back that is unchanged for weeks and is consistent with a Mongolian spot or congenital dermal melanocytosis. This is a benign condition and can be managed with observation. Congenital dermal melanocytosis, previously referred to as a Mongolian spot, is due to an increased number of dermal melanocytes. It presents as a blue-gray, well-demarcated patch on the sacrococcygeal area of an infant, usually of Asian or African descent. The lesion is asymptomatic and often fades by adulthood. Congenital dermal melanocytosis does not increase the risk of melanoma. It is often a clinical diagnosis and management is observation. Figure A showed a photo of a large, well-demarcated, blue-gray patch on an infant's lower back consistent with congenital dermal melanocytosis. Now for the incorrect answers. Answer 1. Biopsy is not required for congenital dermal melanocytosis. This patient has a family history of melanoma, but this patient's lesion is more consistent with congenital dermal melanocytosis. Melanoma can present in many ways. A superficial spreading melanoma most commonly presents as an asymmetric macule with variegated brown hyperpigmentation. Answer number two. Laser treatment can be used to treat congenital dermal melanocytosis, but it's usually not used until adulthood because these lesions typically fade with age. Answer three. Magnetic resonance imaging can be used when assessing the extent of or planning the treatment of a deep infantile hemangioma. A deep infantile hemangioma presents as a bluish, soft, subcutaneous nodule. They present shortly after birth and on average will continue to grow until 5 months of age. Answer 5. Report to Child Protective Services would be indicated if there is high suspicion for child abuse. Physical child abuse should be part of the differential diagnoses for congenital dermal melanocytosis. Abuse presents with purpura and ecchymoses that usually have uneven pigment, are tender to palpation, and will experience color change, such as blue to yellow-green, over days to weeks. Finally, a bullet summary. Congenital dermal melanocytosis, previously referred to as a Mongolian spot, presents as a blue-gray, evenly pigmented, discrete patch in the sacrococcygeal region that is benign and can be managed with observation. Alright, with that bullet summary, we wrap up today's discussion of normal and abnormal findings of the newborn. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic.
If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets podcast thus far, we'd appreciate your consideration in leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.